Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Well, I know many of us uh, long-suffering Cowboys fans have been mourning the end of football season last week, and I, I found something that I think will help you get back to your happy place. So here it is. Could tie it with one swing. It's tied! World champions, baby. We're going to watch the whole thing, yes. That's good right there. <laughs> and uh, pitchers and catchers report here in about three weeks, so there we go. All right. Well, uh, a couple other things I wanted to um, just touch on real briefly, and that is that uh, Night to Shine is coming up here in just a few weeks, and um, uh, it's one of the, the greatest nights to be a part of, um, just to, to see uh, all those folks, and, and we already have 100 participants signed up, and we still need volunteers, so we'd love for you to volunteer to be a part. There's lots of different things you can do, um, from uh, be, being behind the scenes to helping with uh, the participants, and uh, we could use quite a bit of help. So see Tina, or you can go on our website and, and find places there to, uh, uh, to sign up to be a part of that, and uh, we appreciate that. And then the second thing is, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and uh, Grace House is here. They have a, a table out in the foyer, and we'd love for you to stop by there and get to know them a little bit better. Um, a percentage of every dollar that you give, of your money that you uh, give to the church, goes to help uh, Grace House and other ministries, and they're on the front lines of, of uh, dealing with uh, women and, and couples who are having uh, pregnancies and difficult times and counseling them through that. And we all, they also provide all kinds of help, whether it's classes on how to parent. Um, uh, we'll walk through them, through it with them, provide clothes, uh, things for the baby, diapers, formula, all kinds of things. And um, uh, man, it's a, it's a great ministry. And there've been a lot of people that have gone there kind of undecided about what they're gonna do with their, their child, their baby, who've decided because of what happened at Grace House and how they were treated and loved and spoken, uh, had truth spoken to them, decided to uh, keep their baby or to, or to have their baby and put it up for adoption. Uh, but there have been a lot of lives actually that have been saved and, and your, your giving is a part of that. So we appreciate it. Um, so like I said, there's a foyer out there and they'd be happy to talk to you, answer any questions. And they even have some opportunities to volunteer as well. Um, today we're continuing our series called The Ripple Effect. And we're going to talk about some things we can do to get to what I believe may be the most important word. You know, if you could have a word that was spoken about you to describe you, what would it be? And I think we find what we should all aspire, the word we should all aspire to in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. So if you want to turn your Bibles there, please do. And if you'd please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. 
The master said, my, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, that word faithful, you think about it, and, and there's all kinds of meanings that go along with it. And somebody's like, well, you know, they're faithful. In, in other words, they show up. And that's part of it. But that word faithful has a lot more behind it. And it's not, you know, I, I love the fact it's not, hey, well, you, you did all these great things or, you know, you reached this threshold. It was just you were faithful with what you were given, the opportunities that you had in life, the resources that you were given. You know, it, it wasn't, hey, you became a millionaire or you did this or that. It was you were faithful. And faithful is something that we all can do. Every single one of us can be faithful. And it's one of the most important attributes you can find when you're looking for leaders, when you're looking for uh, servants, is someone that will be faithful. And, you know, there are some things that keep us from being faithful. And it's something we can all see. It's a goal that's right in front of us. It's a goal that's attainable. But there are certain things that keep us from being faithful. You know, one of the things that kind of amazes me is how often there are illustrations in our own, the way that we're made physically. And, you know, if you look at sports or uh, even a lot of things that we do in life that are important, it, there's one thing that, that really um, leads in doing that, and that's focus. Where are you focused? You know, in every single sport that I've ever participated in or heard of, there's always something that they tell you to do with your eyes. Hey, you've got to be looking right here. You know, if you're, if you're rowing and, and the, the person that's directing it is looking over there, you're going to drift that direction. If you're, if you're shooting uh, an arrow or, or firearms, where you look is the most important part. If you're playing a game, playing baseball or football, they tell you, you know, if you're at bat, what do they tell you to do? Watch the ball. It sounds simple, but you can't get up at bat. Okay, I want to hit it over there. You don't, you don't focus on that. You focus on what's coming towards you, what's right in front of you. Last night, you know, I, I don't even know what the, they, the point of even having those games were, but I did watch, and in one of them, there was one of the best tight ends in the game, and he had a, a, a it was a crucial down, and and he was wide open, and there was a lot of room on the other side, and the ball was right in his chest. One of the best tight ends. That guy's caught thousands upon thousands upon thousands of passes in practicing in games. Thousands of them. And it was an easy catch right to him. He had his hands right here, but what did he do? He took his hands off the ball, his eyes off the ball, and looked to see where he was going to run and this guy, who's one of the best tight ends in the game, just dropped it. Just dropped it. Because our focus is so important. As a matter of fact, we even have games that illustrate it. How many of y'all played pin the, pin the tail on the donkey? Anybody? You know, little birthday parties or seen kids doing it? Hey, if you just did that, if you just gave them the tail and said, okay, go pin it. Well, what a stupid game. Everybody just walk right up to it and hit it right on the dot. But when you take away their ability to focus their eyes on where they're trying to put it, 
All kinds of crazy stuff happens, doesn't it? That's the funny part. It's a really simple thing. You take a little, the tail, there's a donkey, and you just go pin it where it's supposed to go. I mean, it's incredibly simple. But when you blindfold someone and they can't focus on where they're going and where they're putting it, it ends up all over the place. That's the power of focus. It's not that God says, hey, I, I want you to do, here's this threshold you got to get to get praise in heaven. You know what he says? Do the simple things that are right in front of you. But what happens is we, we, we get focused elsewhere. And I want to talk, talk about some of those things that we get focused on that keep us from focusing on being faithful, on the simple things in front of us. One of the things is we get focused on fear. Fear gets in our minds. And in, in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus talks to his disciples about it. Man, I got ice blocking my flow of Mountain Dew, and it's really messing up my vibe here. All right, that's a little better. Here's what he says. Don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, okay? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. What's he talking about? He's talking about what you're focused on. What are you looking at? He says, look, be focused on the things of God, on the kingdom of God that's right in front of you, and don't worry about these other things. You know, looking out right here, I, I know something of all of us. Some of us right now, you're worried about, man, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to pay bills next week? How am I going to, you know, pay for my kids' college 10 years down the road? Or what about this? Or what about that? You're worried about all these things. But here's something I can tell you right now. None of us have these worries right now. You're, 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 everybody here has got something to wear. You're all clothed. That's a good thing. You know, the Bible says, hey, he was clothed in his right mind. At least we're clothed, okay? Because if you weren't clothed, you came in here, people would look at you kind of weird, all right? So we're all clothed. And, and beyond that, you, you, you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat because we provided donuts and coffee for you. You don't have to worry about what you're going to drink because there's stuff out there. There's water, coffee, everything. It's free. So all that's taken care of in this moment. So right now, you have no reason to be worried about what you're going to eat a week from now. That's what he's saying. You get focused on stuff that hasn't happened yet, on things that are down the road. Be, be where you are. That's one of the hardest things, I think, in our new culture is to really be present where you're at. You know, some of you take the time when you come in here and, and the word's being preached or the worship's going on, to, to plan out or to, or to start, all right, how am I going to take care of this? What am I going to do about that? Instead of being present in the moment and fear of what might happen causes us to lose focus on what's right in front of us, the opportunities that we have, what God's given us. Instead of being thankful, hey, you know what? We're, we're, we got a shelter. We got food. We got things to wear. We should be thankful. We're allowing our focus to be on something that we're worried about instead of where we are and how God's already provided. And so our focus keeps us from being faithful.
Sometimes it's because we fear people. Well, you don't know. What about this guy? If this guy gets elected, it's all, it's all over. Hey, guess what? God can provide for you no matter who is president, no matter who's elected. Now, I'm not saying to, to just forget about it and not worry about it. We ought to be conscientious voters as believers, okay? But, but quit being fearful. Don't buy into all this fear. Every election that I can remember has been, oh, if we don't win this one, it's all going to be blah, 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 blah. That's what they say every single time. Well, if this election doesn't happen, they're going to come and, and, and do this to you. We're the only thing standing in the way. No, let me tell you something. There's more important standing in the way of you coming and robbing food out of my house, and that's the Lord God Almighty. So quit being fearful about people. As a matter of fact, it says in Proverbs 29, 25, fearing people is a dangerous trap. It is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Now, be involved. Do what you, whatever you feel like is your responsibility. Vote your conscience. Vote your values. Do all those things. But quit doing it out of fear for what might happen. And trust God instead. Fearing people is a dangerous trap. You know, too many times we're, we're worried about, and here's the deal, fear is being afraid or worrying about things that haven't happened yet. That's 98% of all fears. Now, are there things that happen in the moment that, that cause fear? I get that. You know, you open your door and you think you can walk out and there's a snake there. And if you ain't a little fearful, you're crazy. That's all I'm saying. Particularly when your way is blocked to get the hoe or whatever to, to take care of them. And yes, take care of them with a hoe. Kill them all. That's biblical, all right? <laughs> Reading Genesis, that's all I'm saying. But it's all right to, to have a moment of fear there, but quit being fearful about things that haven't happened. That's what most of what if I lose my job? Or what if this happens? Or what if this doesn't happen? We should, fear is about things that haven't happened yet. And 99% of the time, never will. Now, everybody's got a, well, I'm going to tell you one time. I, we all got a one-time story. But even in that one time, I bet God was faithful. See, we all worry about things that haven't happened yet. That's what fear is. And so we get focused on that, and we stop being faithful. You know, maybe, maybe I, ought to, I ought to take that money I was giving to the church and, you know, start stockpiling it somewhere. And we forget who we're relying on. We need to rely on God first. Seek the kingdom of God. And you know, he says, all these things will be added unto you. All the things you're worried about, your heavenly father knows you need them. He's already got a plan to provide them for you, even if you don't know what it is. So stop worrying about that and seek to be faithful in whatever God's put in front of you. Don't let fear take your focus away from being faithful. Now, one of the biggest ways that we lose focus on faithfulness, and faithfulness is just getting up every day and making the most of every opportunity in front of us, is we allow our past sometimes to pull our focus away. And here's the deal. All of us have a past, and we all have failures in our past. There's not a one of us in here that at some point or another, you wouldn't, if you, if they had been in a time machine, 
You know, if I, if I were to just go around and take a poll, hey, I've got a time machine. You can go back one time. And you can go back and see and, and tell your, your, your young self or in your past, you can go to some point in time and tell yourself, hey, don't do this or do this. Every single one of us would have some moment in time. Now, we might have to take a minute, well, I want to do this one or I want to do that one. But we'd have some point we'd go back to. And if we got, if we got there, we'd say, dude, do not do this, idiot. Or, hey, here's a chance. Take it. Because we all have regret. We all have things we wish we hadn't done. We all have a past. Well, what did Jesus do? What would Jesus say to you? Well, I'm going to tell you about somebody that got caught right in the act of doing something that, that, that was a horrible thing. There's these Pharisees or whatever. Now, whether it was, it, it was probably a set-up deal, that's my guess. But they caught a woman in the act of adultery. Now, I'm pretty sure to catch someone in the act of adultery, you've got to have a man and a woman. But for whatever reason, maybe the man jumped out of the window or maybe they knew him and that wasn't part of the plan, whatever, I don't know. But they bring this woman before Jesus and they say, hey, we caught her. This ain't a rumor. We caught her in the act. And they threw her down in front of Jesus. And Jesus gets down on the ground and he starts writing with his finger, doing something in the dust. And for years, ever since, scholars have tried to figure out what he was writing in the dust. Did y'all know that? You know, was it a verse? My favorite one is that he wrote down the name of the dude that was with her in the act of adultery. That's my favorite one. But there's all kinds of things. Maybe he wrote down the sins of some of them that were standing there. But here's the deal. Through the years, people have been so focused on what he was writing in the dirt that sometimes they forget what happened right after that. And here's what happened right after that. First, he says to all of them, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And one at a time, they walked off. The older ones first, because they're like, oh, got us, boom, out of there. And then finally, the, the last one there was like, he wanted to throw the stone, but he knew in his heart he'd sinned. So he walked off too, finally. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. See, that's why Jesus came, so that we wouldn't have to be condemned for our past. And some of us, we let it hang around us like a rock. Well, here's where I messed up. Here's where I blew it. And, and we let our focus be on our past. And you know, Jesus didn't say that your sin didn't matter. He said to her, go and sin no more. And that was important. But he said, neither do I condemn you. You see, that's why he came. Romans 8, 1 through 3. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. 
So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Now, there's no condemnation. Now, we all know there are consequences here on this earth to some of our sins, and we got to live with those. And we got to do the best we can with them. But we're not under condemnation, not from God. And you know, one of the things I love about this verse is it says, look, he says, because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And then further on, God declared an end to sin's control over us. Now, most of the time we think about that as going forward. And that is true. We've been set free from the power of sin. But in this passage, it's in context about the sins we've already committed. It's about the condemnation for the sins that we've already done. And so here's what it's saying. Not only has God given you the power to be freed from sin in the future and in the present, but also from the condemnation that comes from the past. That is the context. So when we allow our sins from the past to control us right now, we're giving power to something that God already broke. There's no power. Sin doesn't have the power to drag you down, to hold you down, to make you feel guilty and shame. You're not under condemnation. As a matter of fact, God said he has declared us righteous because of the blood of his son, Jesus. We've been declared righteous. Not only that, it says that our sins, God remembers them no more. It's not that he forgot, like, oh, man, I can't remember. It's that he chooses not to remember. So when he sees you, he doesn't see, oh, man, they're so-and-so. They blew it here, 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 and here. He sees someone that is righteous. So when we allow the guilt and the shame of our past sins to drag us down, we're giving power to something that God already set us free from through Jesus. And so don't focus on the past. Now you got to own it and you got to deal with some of the repercussions. But when you do, you say, you know what? Yep. But God set me free from that and God forgave me. And here's one of the most awesome parts is that God promised not only to set us free, to declare us righteous, but he also promised to use whatever bad is in our past for good. For good. I know some of you are like, oh man, you don't, you don't know what my past is. You don't, some of you are like, you don't know what's been done to me. My, my problem's not the condemnation I feel for my own sins, but it's the consequences of other people's sins. Sometimes against me. You don't know what that's like. I, I, I fully understand that. But let me tell you something. I want to show you a guy in Scripture. Here's where that power is broken. Joseph was his, his father's favorite son. 
And his brothers didn't like that. And then there came a day where they saw an opportunity. He came to him out in the wilderness and there wasn't anybody there. And you know what they did? They beat the dog out of him. All of his brothers. Dude, the, the, the wounds from family are the hardest, aren't they? And threw him in a pit and then decided what to do with him. Some of them wanted to kill him. You know, he's hearing all that conversation. His own brothers. And so finally they decided not to kill him. But what they did was there, there were some people coming by and they sold him to them as a slave. So now he's shackled. He's a slave. He didn't do anything wrong. It was because of what other people did to him. And so he ends up being a slave to somebody in Egypt. And he's, but here's the deal with Joseph. He was focused every day on being faithful. He was faithful with what he was entrusted to. And before long, he was running the whole house. And then the lady of the house tried to seduce him. But even in that moment, Joseph was faithful. He was focused on being faithful. He said, how can I do this and sin against this man who's trusted me and more importantly, sin against God? You know, he could have easily just said, man, I'm a slave. What, do I, what choice do I have? I'm a slave because they put me here. It's ain't my fault. But he chose to be faithful. And you know what it got him? He got thrown in prison because she made an accusation against him because she was angry with him. And now he's in prison. Uh, he couldn't, it, it couldn't help but cross his mind that he wouldn't have been there if not for his brothers and what they did to him. But in prison, you know what he did? He chose to be faithful in prison. And as a result, before long, he was the top guy in prison making decisions. And then he got open the doors and he was brought before Pharaoh and Pharaoh made him second in command over all of Egypt, second only to himself. And then the perfect opportunity for the perfect revenge story happens because there's a famine all over the land, but Egypt's prepared for it because of Joseph, because he was faithful and so now, people would come to him asking for food. And before long, there are his brothers right in front of him, totally in his power, asking for food. Now he tests them, but then he reveals himself and says, I'm Joseph. Now if you're the brothers, yikes, man. <laughs> yikes. Now you're really scared. But you know what Joseph said? He said, look, go get my father. Y'all come here. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you lands. I'm going to make sure you got food. I'm going to get you through this. And so they all come and they live there. And then later on the father dies and the brothers, because they've never quite gotten over the guilt of what they did. They're, they're sure at that point, well, now he's going to get all of us because our father's dead. And when Joseph heard they felt that way, he wept. 
And it says in Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 20, Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now that word intended doesn't mean caused. God didn't cause his brothers to beat him and throw him in a pit. But here's the deal. God had a purpose through what the brothers did. He intended that it should be for good. And Joseph, because he was able to forgive his brothers, was able to see that. And so some of us, we're, we're, having, we're struggling being faithful because our eyes aren't on faithfulness. Our eyes are on the guilt we have from whatever sin we've committed. Or our eyes are on the anger that we have towards those that have sinned against us. And the only way to be faithful is to get your eyes off of those things. It's to recognize that God does not condemn you. It's to stop focusing on sins of the past. It's to forgive those who've harmed you and to trust that even in that, God has a plan now. He works all things to good, Romans 8, 28, to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't just say he works good things to good. He works all things to good. Some of the greatest parts of my testimony are when someone else meant harm to me and God used it for good in my life and in others. Because that's how God works. Our only job is to be faithful. It's every day to get up and follow him. It's to make the most of our opportunities. Don't let the past keep you from living in the now. If something from your past is blocking your joy in, in the moment, it's because you've given it power, not because it has it. Now, sometimes we're not faithful because we're focused beyond. Maybe it's in the future or whatever. You know, we think, oh, well, you know what, God, if, I tell you what, once I get to this point in my job or at this point in my life, then I'm going to be faithful. Then I'm going to serve God. Then I'm going to love other people. Once I get this amount of money, then I'm going to be faithful. Then I'm going to give. Then I'm going to be generous. And the whole point of the story that I quoted at the beginning was God said, look, you've been faithful in a few things. And so now I'm going to give you more. And we get focused on, well, you know what? When I get more, then I'm going to be faithful. Because you know what? Sometimes it's hard to be faithful now. And we envision a place that if God would just get us then I'd be faithful. Then I could do it. Then I'd have more time. Then I'd be willing to give time. Then I'd be willing to give money. Then I could do it. But you won't. Because if you're not faithful in a little, you're not going to be faithful in a lot. You know, there's an old story about a, a preacher. and A guy came to him and said, Pastor, I'm, 
I'm really struggling with being faithful in my giving with tithing. He said, why are you, why are you struggling? He said, well, you know what? A long time ago, I made, you know, 35000 a year, and it was easy to be faithful then because it, it wasn't that much money I was giving every week. But now I make half a million dollars. And those are big checks. And I'm really struggling writing those checks and giving because it's a lot of money. And I'm thinking, man, I could do this with that or that with that. And the preacher said, well, I'm going to pray for you, brother. And he said, okay. And he said, dear God, I pray that you would bring this man's income back to where he can be faithful again to you. <laughs> now, you know what? That's a, fun, that's a joke. I don't think it ever really happened. It may have, but it happens. You know, when, when God blesses you, we're all keen to give God, oh, man, God's really blessed me. But if you get blessed to a place where, where you can't be faithful anymore, do you think God's going to keep blessing? You know what? It's a lot easier for God to put things in a hand that's open to others than it is one that's closed and hanging on. Don't get focused on beyond. Well, if I could just get to this point. And then sometimes, you know what? It's, it's, we're missing out on the moment. If you got kids and you know they're they're old enough to have phones or devices or whatever, or maybe you've just done this with friends, you know, you look around and you realize every single one of you, you know, you're right there in the room, but your your attention is somewhere else. You're focused on oh he's reading the news, he's watching, you know, playing a game. Well, they're they're scrolling trying to see how many likes they got on posting their dinner pic. Nobody cares what you ate for dinner. I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be mean, but they don't. They're liking your page because they're hoping you're gonna come and like theirs. It's a little game, ain't it? And so we're we're we're, we're missing out on the opportunity of the moment that's right in front of us because we're focused on something beyond it. We need to worry about that. You know, how many of you, I turned mine off because it was making me sick, but I've turned it back on now. You know, on my phone, every week it'll, it'll pop up there how many hours or how much time I've spent on my phone. Have you, any of y'all looked at that and gone, that cannot be right? Anybody? It is, though. And when you see it added up, sometimes you're like, man, you know what, I, I'm, parents, I'm fixing to make great friends with your teenage kids. Parents, you should have times where you say, everybody put your device down. Yes, there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Do it anyway. And don't miss out on some of those opportunities. You know, one of the things I, I heard was we, we got to be conscious, you know, uh, of what what is going to be the, the, the memory that your kids have of you? Is it going to be this right here? Or is it going to be that when you were around them, you were present? What is, what is the voice they're going to hear? Is it irritation because you're interrupting, they're interrupting what you're doing? You're watching on TV or what you're, doing on the phone so you're aggravated they're even talking to you? 
You know, they're going to have a, a, in their mind a memory of what your voice was like and what you said. Now, it ain't all going to be good. I get it. You got to speak truth. You got to discipline. But parents, here's one of the things. I'm, I'm fitting to go old man mode on you for just a moment, all right? So y'all just forgive me for that, but I'm going to go old man mode on you. One of these days, those of you, you, you got kids in your house. Maybe they're young. Maybe, maybe they're just two, three, five years old. Maybe they're 10, whatever. But there's going to come a day when you're going to look up and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, my baby's having babies. And here's my other baby and they're, they're driving down. They're fixing to be gone. And you're going you're gonna to be like, what happened? How did that happen? How did I go from that to this? It felt like a blink of an eye. There's a reason why all old people say that. It's because it's true. And here's the deal. It is a blink of an eye. And if you're not focused on it, you're going to miss it. And you're going to miss so many opportunities. Now, sometimes you miss them because they can drive you crazy sometimes. I get it. But don't miss those moments because there's going to come a time where you're not going to remember all the things they did really that made you crazy. If you do, you're going to laugh about it. But you're going to have pictures of those times too. And don't miss them by being focused on something outside or beyond. The friendships that you could have built, but you were too busy focusing on something beyond, something in the future, or something about people that you aren't even around. Be focused where you are. Galatians 1.10. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. Sometimes we're so busy trying to get the approval of people, some of whom we don't really even know, that we miss out on the opportunities we have with the people that are right in front of us. Matthew 6, 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Quit worrying about the future and live in the here and now. So how do we, how do we learn how to focus on the moment? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. See, guys, faithfulness is not, man, the, the home run. Faithfulness is seeing every opportunity that's in front of you, making the most of it. Maybe it's by the words that you say. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those that hear them. You know, for some of us, it, it's that we need, to, we need to take the opportunity to say those things more. And then the last thing Paul says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, he says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past 
and looking forward to what lies ahead. Now, he's not talking about, you know, I got to worry about what I'm getting next week. You know what, what I believe he's talking about? I think it's clear. He's talking about what lies ahead is that day we're going to come face to face with God. Forgetting what, what's behind and being focused and seeing, looking forward to what lies ahead, then what does he say? I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He's not talking about skipping to the finish line. He's talking about pressing on, taking the next step, living in the moment. I press on. Hey, I'm going to forget what's happened. I'm going to forget the past. I'm going to learn my lessons from it, but I'm not going to live there. And I'm going I'm to have in mind that there's going to come a day when I'm going to stand before God. And you know what I, I want him to say about me? Well done, good and faithful servant. And being faithful is about living each day. You know, how many days in a week do we live and get to the end of the week and, and, and it seems like a waste? You know, we got up and did our thing, but did we, did we do anything? Did we seize any moments? Was there somebody that came across our path and you know what? Maybe there was an opportunity. You could tell there was something wrong, but we didn't really have the time. Or our kids had a moment where they asked us a question. Instead of, man, you know, there's going to come a time they ain't going to ask you nothing except what's for dinner. And when they come and ask that question, were we aggravated because we just didn't have the time or didn't want to mess with it? Or did we make the most of that opportunity and turned and looked them in the eye and made the most of the opportunity? Or, or God's given you something, a gift or a talent or a resource. Are you, are you using it in a way that glorifies God? Are you just hanging on to it because you're worried about the future? Or are you looking beyond? You know, one of the things we believe as a church is that, that God didn't put us here so we could build up a big savings account. Now, are there times like right now we know there's a building coming and, and we're trying to be really good stewards and we're trying to put together some cash for that? But yeah, absolutely. But we're not trying to have a big savings account. You know, if I knew, it, 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 my, my goal would be that when Jesus comes back, our accounts are almost to zero. You know, maybe there, there's a little, probably a little bit in there. But what you think God's going to come back? Oh, man, you saved a million bucks. That's awesome. God gave you that, gave us that money to use it, to reach people for Christ. And I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but he gave you money for the same reason, to take care of your family, to pay your bills, and then to bless people. Get in the habit of blessing people. Some of us are so focused on what else we can get. We don't even see people that need something. It's time 
to focus on what matters and to focus on what's important and to focus particularly on being faithful with whatever God puts in front of us. That's all we're going to be accountable for. We're not going to be accountable for what the neighbor did or what they had or how much money they gave or how much money they kept. We're going to be accountable for what we've been given. Your kids are a gift from God. Invest in them. The relationships that you have, that's an opportunity. The people you come across, it's an opportunity. The resources you've been given, the talents you've been given, it's an opportunity. Be faithful. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? It all begins with a relationship with Christ. And there's three simple things. It's not hard. It's not hard to understand. It's really as simple as ABC. And A, it begins with this. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we have to ask forgiveness of our sins and turn away from them. It begins with admitting that we're sinners. B is believe in Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have life everlasting. You've got to believe that Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and then rose on the third day to prove that he was, he is who he says he is. And then the last thing is confess him as Lord. Why wouldn't you want to? He loves you more than anyone. Even the person that loves you the most here on this earth, he loves you more. How do I know that? Because he gave his life. The Father gave his only begotten Son, and Jesus was obedient to the point of death because of love for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's the thing. If you'd like to have a relationship with Christ, if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you are no longer under condemnation. If you'd like to know that you have peace with God and are in right relationship with Him, and that that's going to be forever. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. You can repeat this after me. You can pray in your own words. Just pray in your heart. God will hear you. But if you'd like to know those things, you can pray with me right now. Dear God in heaven, Thank you for loving me, and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day. So today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to call you out. But I would like to pray for you and encourage you. And so if you prayed that prayer today, here's what I'd like you to do. I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you, okay? Thank you. See you. Okay. All right. 
Okay, I see you. All right. I got you. Now, for those of you that prayed that prayer, we'd love to hear from you. There's a number on the screen. You can just text SAVE to that word, and we'd love to get in touch with you if you like. And we'd love to answer any questions and talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to bug you. We're not going to put you on a mailing list or anything else. We just want to help you. And we would love the opportunity to talk to you today or soon. Now, if you'd like, there'll be somebody here at the front at the end of the service, and you can come up to them, and they'll set, set somebody up to talk with you today. But it is important that you tell someone about your decision to follow Christ. If you're here with your mom and dad, tell them, and they can get in touch with us, okay? So right now, I want to pray for you and encourage you that, you know what? You prayed that in faith. You are, you are no longer under condemnation. Your sins have been forgiven. And you are in right relationship with God. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that came to a saving knowledge of Jesus today. And Father, I pray you'll bless them and grow them. And Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey to you. And Father, whether it's here or somewhere else, I pray they'd find a church that will love them and, and help them, Father, to grow in their relationship with you. And Father, we, we thank you for the blessings, Father, of, of those in this church that are so faithful. And Father, I pray you continue to encourage them and help, help us all, Father, to be faithful in following you. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.